You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Good morning. Happy to have you guys here this morning. Uh, I wanted to start out remembering a story uh, I had one time getting closer to Christmas with my daughter, Everly. Uh, I've got three kids, my middle one, Everly, she was about one and a half at this time, and so she did experience the Christmas before, but not like really experienced it, you know, like she was there, she wasn't talking and walking yet, but she had it, so when she was about one and a half, like we're coming up on like the first Christmas she was really going to experience, like really get, and I remember it was probably like November, maybe even like October, I, I'm not exactly sure, uh, but her and I were at, at Sam's together, which I love the Sam's Club. You know, as far as shopping goes, it's probably one of my favorite places to shop. But the problem is that I hate shopping, okay? I don't know if anybody here this morning can testify to that is with me and just that you hate shopping, but that is me. I hate shopping. So if I am shopping, I'm already not enjoying myself. I know some of you are like, what is the matter with you? Like, it is just a privilege to go shopping, and we can stop at Starbucks, and we can just go and look at things. That, to me, just is not, that's my nightmare. Like, I hate it. I don't enjoy shopping at all. So if I'm going shopping, I'm going with a purpose. Like, I know the things that I need to get, and I have the mental map of the store in my head, and I'm going to go to these locations. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out. I'm going to self-check out because I'm convinced that I'm faster than the people that do this for a living, and then I'm out of there, right? That's me when I go shopping. So I'm with Everly, which, you know, and also, like, I love my children. Don't get me wrong, but children really slow down shopping. Children really complicate this whole problem. So I've got Everly. you got to get her out of the car. And then since I've got Everly, that also means I've got to get a buggy, which I do not enjoy the buggy shopping. Some of you may think shopping cart. The real word is buggy. Uh, And I don't enjoy the buggy shopping because that means already, like, I'm buying more than I can hold, which means I'm spending more money than I want to. And then also the problem with the buggy shopping is you can't, like, maneuver and weave in and out of places, now you're stuck to the aisles with the buggy. And I like to cut in across the aisles where there's no people so I can get there faster. But with the buggy, you're stuck. And you always end up with like in the middle of the aisle, there will be that person that just has gotten like shopping hypnotized and they're just happy to be out there and everything they're seeing is amazing. And they just get lost. They don't even know where they are, or why they're there. They're just thinking about things to buy. And, and in Sam's, you get there, like there's probably like, the, there's always that one person that they don't realize that there's sides to the aisle and that we stay to the right side, right? They've just parked their buggy right in the middle of the aisle, which there's plenty of room for two buggies to go by, but not if one is in the middle of the aisle, right? And so here's that person looking at like the blenders at Sam's and they start thinking like, well, this blender can, can blend nails. My blender can't do that. I probably need this blender, but it's Sam's, right? So it's a blender with like a package of three. And they're like, what am I going to do with three blenders? So then they get on the phone. They're like, I know who else could use a blender that can blend up nails. Joanna. I got to call Joanna. Now on the phone with Joanna in the middle of the aisle and I come up and I'm trying to figure out like I can't really get past this side. I could maybe squeeze through this side, but then there's the rack of shoes, like the big pile of shoes. And it seems they pile them up real high. And so I'm like estimating, like, can I fit the buggy through there? And then if I collide, would it be better to collide the buggy or the shoes and risk the shoes falling or the person getting their buggy shoved and then what ends up happening is just both and then shoes are everywhere I've clanged into their buggy like I've interrupted the phone call sorry Joanna like you don't need the blender and now there's just sketchers everywhere right I don't know what it is with Sam's and sketchers but it's like the only you can only buy sketchers at Sam's I don't know why no problem with sketchers they're just always it seems so then I have to do the whole like I'm sorry like oh, oh 
oh, silly me, like uh, shoes everywhere and picking up the, the sketchers. That's messed up the whole thing. And inside, I just was like, move to an aisle. Like, just go to the side if you're going to have the phone call, right? So this is me shopping, you know, at Sam's and Everly's in the cart. And so we're going, and I get whatever it is I probably need on this corner, which is like the bottles of water. And then I'm heading to the diaper section because I've lived with diapers for years now. And I know that those are two corners of Sam's, the diapers over here, the water over here. So now I have to maneuver my way from the water to the diapers, and so I cut through one of the aisles in the middle, and I'm just going like head down trying to charge through, and all of a sudden I hear Tiny Everly in the buggy basket go, oh, and I look down, and her eyes have gotten huge, and her hands have just shot up above her head, and she is just looking around in amazement, and I'm like, what are you looking up? And I look up, and we are in the Christmas tree aisle, and there for the first time of the year are the artificial Christmas trees set up like shoulder height, you know, on top of things. Each one lit. One of them is like white, like it's snowed and, and blinking. And Everly is looking at this as if it's the first time she's ever seen a Christmas tree. And she's looking around and her eyes are saying things like, I didn't know a store could be so beautiful. I didn't know there could be trees inside and that there could be lights on trees. So immediately for me, the mental map of the store is out the window. And what I'm supposed to be buying next, I don't even remember. And we just stop and I lift her up and start pointing to her like the different trees. Like, look at this one. And we spent probably half an hour in the middle of the tree aisle. And there's at this point probably people trying to get around my buggy, which I've abandoned in the middle against my own morals. But I think we find ourselves in these situations sometimes at Christmas. We're in the middle of the mundane, right? We're in the middle of the big box store, or just whatever the day in, day out is, the boring parts of life. And we get caught up in this hurry. We get caught up in this agenda that we have, the to-do list we're doing. But what we're encouraged to do, what we want to find is those little moments of wonder, those little moments of mystery, those little moments of magic. And what I saw in Everly's eyes right then, those little moments of joy, so we're in our fourth week of Advent this week, and we've got our candle. We lost one of our candles. It's right here. Look, I know that our candles are really struggling, guys, but they're doing the best they can. Like, it really hurts their feelings, too, when you talk about them. And I've heard you talking. So we've been going through the themes of Advent, and we start out with this idea of hope. And each week we've lit a candle for each of these themes, these themes that are supposed to prepare us and get us in the spirit to help us as we wait for the entrance of Christ into our world. So week one, we talked about hope. And the hope that Jesus brings. And then we talked about peace. Or that was last week. We talked about joy. No, joy is this week. We talked about uh, hope, love. Love is supposed to be the pink candle. We talked about love. And we talked about peace last week. And this week we want to focus in on joy. But I want to focus on all of these. I want to focus on all of these themes, these wonky candles. You guys keep an eye on these. If one of these like falls over and things catch on fire, just uh, let somebody know. Or head for an exit, depending on the fire. But we focus on these themes <clears throat> at Advent. And the idea is that these things would prepare us. These ideas would be with us as we wait on the coming of Christ. That these things would lead us to the manger. And so today as we reflect on all of those, I want to open up the story in Luke 2 to, to the shepherds. The story of the news of the shepherds. So if you've got your Bible, if you'll open it up, we are in Luke 2. And do your best to, let's read this story this morning as if it's like the first time we've heard it which I think is in particularly with this one, it's very hard because I always hear Linus reading this, this chapter, right? Like anybody else, like, lo, they were sore afraid. Like, so try not, feel like it's the first time you've ever read this, but look with me in Luke chapter two. It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you this morning. 
And it tells us this, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now we have our ideas of this, but think of what it was for the shepherds. For them, this is their day in, day out. This is their job. They've clocked in. They are at work. This is their boring, mundane. This is their to-do list. This is their, their pressure. This is everything. This is their job. So they're out in the field watching their flock. They're at work. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear, as you would be if all of a sudden in your office an angel pops in and the light of God is shining there. And it says, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now we as readers, we kind of are in on the joke here, right? Because we've already read about Mary being visited by an angel. We've already read that this woman somehow mysteriously is going to be carrying the child of God. And we've already seen an angel appear to her, her husband or her betrothed husband, Joseph. And we've already seen him dealing with this idea of like, is Mary telling me the truth? Can I trust that story? Should I divorce her quietly? And then an angel appears to him and tells him, no, 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 you can trust Mary. What is inside her is from God. It is God. It is Emmanuel, God with us. And so we've already seen this. So now we see the shepherds be introduced to this. And we kind of can laugh at them, right? And be like, ha ha, those shepherds, like they don't even know what is coming for them. But for the shepherds, this is their day in, day out, their mundane work day. And then it says this, verse 13, the angels say, and this will be a sign to you, for you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And I can only imagine like one of the shepherds, at least one at that point, was like, come again? What now, angel? Like a manger? Like what animals eat out of? That's going to be this baby's crib. And it says, we lying in a manger. And then it says, suddenly there was with them, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And this is that scene for the shepherds. They have just walked through the mundane store and into the Christmas tree section and seen Christmas for the first time. They've just left their day in, day out. They've just stopped thinking about their to-do list and started thinking about what these angels are talking about and the need for peace and the need for God in our world. That was their day. And so let's read on to what it says in verse 15. It says, when the angels went away, and I wish I could have been there for that moment because they have just had like a huge shock to the system, right? They just went from the, the normal into this loud, like supernatural, angels singing a whole host of them back to the quiet again. Like from field to the throne room of God, like angels praising to a field again. And so it gets super quiet again. They're probably looking around at each other. And then one of them finally speaks and says, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. But then one of them said, you know, I'm pretty slammed here at work. They got all these sheep to take care of, and like one of them's been sick, like somebody's got to watch the sheep, right? Like, I'd love to go. I just got so much to do. I'm so busy. And then another said, you know, like, let's go, but if you could just drop me off along the way, like, I got a Christmas party I got to get to. Like, you guys go on without me. I don't even know what Christmas is yet, but I hear it's cool, and this is a Christmas party I feel obligated I should go to. Like, don't really want to go. I'd rather go with you. We got to do this party. And then a third shepherd was like, hey, yeah, I'd love to go, but I got more shopping to do. Like, there's only so many shopping days left. Like, I got to go get it all done so that I get my to-do list figured out. No, that's totally not what the shepherds would say or did say, right? 
They would have to be crazy to have angels come to them and proclaim the birth of the Savior of our world to them and say, here's where this baby is going to be, and then say, yeah, but like I'm just so slammed. like I just don't have time. I'm too busy to go do that. And we look at that and we say, they'd be insane to do that. But here's my question. If you were there, if that day was today and you were there, would you go? If angels came to you and proclaimed this to you, would you go? And I think we all quickly would say, well, yeah, I would go. Well, let me pose the question in another way. If you had the opportunity in the middle of your busy work week, your mundane life, to pause and seek Jesus and find him and worship him, would you? Or rather, did you this last week have those times in the middle of the mundane, in the middle of the busy, where you paused, you sought out Jesus, and you worshiped him? Because I know I struggled with that this week, and I was writing a sermon on this. Talk about conviction when you look at being slow and still and busy, and you're trying to preach on that, but you're like, I'm just too slow, like busy to get all this done and be slow. The shepherds made their way to Bethlehem. But my question is, do we make our way to Jesus? And I think where some of this comes from is my small group, we've been reading this book by a pastor named John Mark Comer, and it's called uh, Eliminating, or The Elimination of the Relentless Pursuit of Hurry. It's a very wordy title, and I think I probably got it wrong. And I, I'll just honestly, I've only read like the first section of this book, so that's as far as my recommendation can go to you. So the first section is great. Like the end of it, he might be like, Jesus isn't God, and I don't want to recommend that to you until I finish the book. I don't think he says that. But all I can say is the first section of this book is great. And it's been very challenging to me because in this, he lays out these ideas of just how fast-paced we have become and how much that crowds out our time with our Savior. And so let me just share with you some of what we've been talking about in our small group, some of the things that he goes over in this book to show you just how busy we have become. When they invented electricity or before they invented electricity, the average human got 11 hours of sleep at night. Can you imagine 11 hours of sleep. And yet before the light bulb, that's what we were getting on average. All the way up to the 1960s, not that long ago, I certainly don't remember the 60s because I'm so young. Some of you in here may. Up until the 1960s in America, they had what they called the blue law, which meant everything, not just Chick-fil-A, every business shut down on Sundays. And so there was one day a week where you could do nothing. You couldn't get shopping done. You couldn't get business done. You had to just stop and rest and do nothing. That was all the way up till the 1960s. In 2019, the average American works four more weeks than we did in 1979. In the matter of decades, we've picked up an extra work of week every year. Four more weeks on average, we are working more. So the pace of history is showing us that we have less and less time to slow down. We have less and less downtime, less and less free time. And so this shrinking downtime that we've had, here's what else we see, is that it is increasingly filled up by more stuff. When we do have open time, when we do have spare time, we have a lot of magical things to fill it with, like the iPhone, which was introduced in 2006. There are, are children here that have lived their whole lives with us. Many of us remember life before the iPhone. Some of them have never known life without it. And with the iPhone came a whole new world of things that we had to do, right? 
It didn't really like free up our stuff. Like the directions are great and some of those apps are great, but really I think it just created more stuff that we now have to do and more ways for people to reach us and then be angry at us if we don't answer this. It used to be like, oh, I was driving. I was not at my house. I was nowhere near a phone. You couldn't get me. Now you can get me any time of day and you're upset with me if I don't answer. And so we have all of that going on, right? 2006, the iPhone comes out or 2006, 2007. Around that same time, a social media platform was opened up to the public called Facebook. And then shortly after Facebook, there was Twitter, and then Instagram and Snapchat, and the years start coming, they don't stop coming, fed to the rolls, and it hit the ground running, right? Anybody this morning? And so that's been the pace of our life. Uh, the, the, the shrinking downtime that we have is increasingly filled by this just digital pressure, this digital world. And so the extra time that we once had just sitting on the couch and we might pop open a book, now we pop open Candy Crush, right? And you just start crushing candies. The, the extra time that we may have had, like the extra time we may have had just, just being around, maybe just standing in line, like where you might have just stood there, or, or, or heaven forbid, make small talk with the person next to you, and now we're just staring at our phones to escape that, right? Or, or that just brief moment you might have at a red light where you can just stop and sigh and just be still in the middle of traffic. Now, none of us, certainly, right? Certainly not me. Now we start texting, or at least reading that text, or giving a, hey, Siri, like, text this person. We don't even stop at stoplights anymore. They found that the average American spends five hours, at least, on their smartphone a day, which I think I'm above that. I'll be honest. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I were above that. The average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. I don't know how they know the stats, but they know everything about us, so they have these stats. The first thing we see in the morning when we get up, the last thing we see or touch at night when we go to bed, is typically our smartphone, because it's our alarm, right? And usually you're not just turning off the alarm, you're catching up on that notification or whatever else it might be. We have less and less time, and we've begun to fill it with more and more, I would say, nonsense. More and more things that, that are not beneficial to us. Because just think of the time that we spend in this digital world. Think of the time that you spend on social media. I, I have issues with, with social media. In fact, this, this last week I took just a minor break because I didn't want Star Wars spoilers. And, and my day was just way greater. Like, I just took a break from Twitter and Facebook. And then when I got back on, I was reminded of all the political weirdness and anger. And I was like, ah, oh, I forgot about that. Like, I was just trying to avoid the Star Wars spoilers, but I avoided a lot more. And it was just nice. It was nice. But we get on Facebook, and we, these things kind of just catch up with us. This idea of, like, you know, I liked my Christmas tree, but then I saw your Christmas tree. And now I feel bad for my Christmas tree, right? Like, I didn't know they had to have themes and could be color-coordinated. Like, we just throw whatever we can on there and think it's beautiful, but then I see yours. I, I thought that I was a good parent, but then I saw the pictures of your kid all in matching outfits for your Christmas pictures, and now I feel like I'm a terrible parent, right? Or, or like, I was just kind of fine and relaxed. I didn't know that there was this one thing that I needed to be terrified of, but now I'm terrified of that, right? Like that one thing that you should never do. There's a new one every week. You can never do this when you're in a parking lot because bad guys use that as a way to lure you in and slaughter you. And maybe it happened like one time all the way across, like in Fresno or somewhere, like one time, but everybody picked it up and now you're like, I'm terrified. Like I'll never pick up a, a grocery cart in the parking lot again, like, because that one thing happened. Now I'm afraid of this stuff. And I didn't know, like, I had these things to feel bad about. I was happy with my vacation until I saw your vacation. I was happy with this thing until I saw that. I wasn't angry about this one thing that this political representative who's not even in my state and who I'll never meet, I wasn't angry about that one thing they said, but now I've read it and I'm angry about it, right? 
All of this begins to fill up that limited time that we have when we spend more and more time in this digital world, comparing ourselves to others and being dissatisfied with where we are. Seeing things that we didn't know should scare us and now being scared of that. Seeing things that we didn't even know existed, but now we have to be angry about that. Stuff you didn't even know you needed an opinion on, and now you have to form an opinion on that. That is how we're filling our time so that now we have less and less time. And we're in a bigger and bigger rush. So one of the big points the author of this book, the pastor writing this, makes is that hurry, which we've all become consumed with, Hurry is the enemy of love. And he's like, if you don't buy it, just think of the next time you're late for somewhere, how you treat your family, which is very convicting for me every time I leave the door now. And so as we're reading this, I'm looking at the themes of Advent as we're going over this in our small group, and I'm thinking, yeah, but, but love is one of the themes of Advent. Love is one of the things that's supposed to lead us to the manger, but you're telling me that hurry, which we've become obsessed with, is the enemy of love. And I began thinking, well, what would be the opposite of these other themes of Advent? If we were to make like another wreath, if we made the, the anti-Advent wreath, what would that be like? And I even thought about like buying a, a black wreath and some black candles to put in it, like lighting those. But then I thought that felt really weird and like seancey. So I steered away from that. But again, I, I want to pause on this idea of what would be anti-Advent. If we were to be waiting on the Lord, which involves a lot of patience, and these things lead us to Jesus, lead us to the manger. What are the things that pull us away? If hurry is the enemy of love, well, I would say that fear is the enemy of hope. It's really hard to be hopeful when you're fearful. It's really hard to want and look for the best when you're afraid. I would say that one of the enemies of peace, there's so many, but that busyness becomes an enemy of peace. We often focus in on like war or conflict, but I think just being busy keeps me from being settled and, and being still and having peace in my life. If we look at the enemy of joy, I would say that some of the stuff we've talked about, that, that self-comparison is an enemy of joy. When I start looking at who I am compared to other people, looking at what I have compared to others, it becomes very hard to find joy in those moments. And you know, I would say that hurry and fear and busyness in comparison, that those things have increased in our world with our pace, with our technology, and so that now it becomes very hard to find peace and hope and love and joy at Advent. It becomes very hard for us to find these times where we can stop and seek out Jesus and worship our Savior. And so we go back to this story of the shepherds, and we kind of laugh at them and say, of course they would go. We kind of imagine this idea of like one shepherd saying like, ah, I wouldn't do it. Like I got something else to do. But then I want to ask the question again, if that were today, if that were you, would you go? Would you throw away the to-do list? Would you stop what you have to do at work? Would you give up the different things that you want to get done before Christmas happens so that you could just pause, seek out Jesus, and worship him? And we want to say things like, yeah, but they had an angel, right? Like, if an angel came to me and told me to do something, I would do that. Like, angel tells it, you're going to go. If an angel appears in my office, I would stop working and leave. Okay. And sure, we don't have an angel, but we do have this book that guides us to Jesus. We do have this book that has thousands of years written by several different authors of the promises 
of God, promises leading to this manger, promises about this Savior, about this Messiah. And then we do see that every one of those promises, they're then fulfilled in this baby in the manger, that they're fulfilled in Jesus. And then we see Jesus making more promises and telling us the way we should go, telling us the way in which we should live. I would say that this book right here, it's no angel, but I believe it is the word of God, and it has been given to us. So how often in your week, this week, did you pause and open this book and allow God to speak to you? So we can laugh at the shepherd and say, of course I would go, but this week did you go. This week, did you find time to pause and seek out Jesus and worship him? Did you take time out of the mundane, in the middle of the boring store or the, the boring work week, to pause and look around and reflect upon the mystery of Christmas, the beauty, the joy, the peace of Christmas? Or has Christmas just become one big to-do list? I feel that. Every year it feels like this month gets more and more crowded with what to buy, with what to do, with parties. Don't get me wrong, I love a party, but I've not been invited to a party all year long. And then in December, I've been invited to like 10 of them, right? We just crowd it up so that it gets even harder to focus in on what God calls us to focus in on, and that is his son, his gift to us at the manger. I'm not saying that God can't speak in the middle of busyness. I'm not saying that God can't speak in the middle of our distraction, but I'm saying it's harder for us to hear. I'm not saying that you can't obey what God says when you're in a rush, when you have a to-do list, but I would argue that it is harder. I would argue that it is more difficult to hear him and follow him when our life has become crowded and busy, when our priorities get out of whack and we focus too much on the wrong things. The things that sometimes we feel pressured by are not the things we should feel pressured for. In the end, we should be feel pressured by eternity, not by today, but by eternity. Is my life where it needs to be with Jesus so I can spend eternity with him? Rather than am I knocking out what I need to do on my to-do list to be successful today? So I don't know where you are, but I know where I am with me. And this has been a hard sermon to work through. It's been a convicting week for me. Because I think I've lit more candles to anti-Advent than I have to Advent. And I know that that needs to change. And I hope that it will. And I hope the same for you. So my challenge with all of this to you is very, very simple. It's just in the next week as Christmas comes up, hopefully you've got some time off from work and and maybe some time with family. I would just challenge you to have some time of stillness, some time of quiet, where you as a family, you as an individual, you just focus on the manger. You just listen for God speaking. You seek out Jesus and you go and find him and worship him. Because ultimately that's what the shepherds did. Back to our story in Luke chapter 2. Verse 15, here's where we left off. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They didn't waste any time. They didn't worry about that last thing they needed to get done. They knew Jesus was over here and that's not where they were. So they did everything they could do to get where Jesus was. And so it says, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. They enter a mundane stable. 
They go into the boring, the normal, the day in, the day out. They've been in thousands of barns, but in the middle of this, manger, this barn is a manger. In the middle of the mundane is something mysterious. In the middle of the boring is our Savior. In the middle of this creation has come the Creator. And that's what they found, just like a kid going through boring Sam's and seeing a bunch of Christmas trees. And it says, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. They told everybody what the angels told them. And it says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned back to their mundane back to their day in, day out, but something is different. Now they're glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So this Christmas, I wanna invite you to these themes of Advent, which our world so distracts us, so pulls us from, so fights against. But I wanna invite you to have time to reflect on hope, to reflect on love and peace and joy, to reflect on the things that Jesus brought to us at Christmas. And so rather than preaching a whole sermon on like slowing down and find, finding times for stillness and worship and then just saying like, all right, go, get, get your table at lunch real quick, everybody out of here. I just wanna give us time right now to do what we've been talking about because I know I need it and I'm pretty sure you probably could use it too. And so right now we're just gonna have a time of prayer just a time of guided prayer that you get to do on your own, okay? I know sometimes we make you pray with each other, not this morning, so relax. It's just you. We're gonna have a time of prayer, and I'll just lead you in some themes of prayer. You can listen with that and, and pray to God quietly or pray on whatever you want to. We're just gonna spend about five or so minutes in prayer and meditation right now. And so this space is yours. We can pull down the lights. If you want to get up and, and find an emptier corner and, and stand over there, if you want to sit down, if you want to stand, if you want to kneel, if you want to lay out, whatever it is you need to do right now to take a step out of your normal, to take a step out of the, the mundane and focus in on Jesus, I'm going to invite you to do that as we pray this morning. So close your eyes. Allow yourself to be relaxed. Slow down your breathing. And let's speak to our creator and listen for him to speak to us. Father, I pray this morning that you would show us what is getting in the way of our hope. God, let me find hope in you. God, we ask this morning that you would show us what is getting in the way of us loving you. 
God, I pray this morning that you would reveal to us your love. Father, this morning we ask you to show us what is preventing peace in our lives? Father, let us find peace in you. God, this morning I ask that you would show us what is getting in the way of our joy. God, let me find joy in you. God, this morning we ask for you to show us the things in our life that we need to remove. God, this morning we ask that our lives would be filled with you. <laughs> 